We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Pastor Kenny Katrir, as he comes, his wonderful wife is with him too, Miss Janice. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor in the house. What, what can you do with an introduction like that, huh? Wow. Y'all, if, y'all might have to understand that, that I'm not an Englishman. I don't talk like you guys. This is just country. So if I say something y'all don't understand, get Brother Philip to interpret that to you after I leave. But it, we're going to have a cracking good time, amen? Jolly good? I do know that word. A jolly good time, old boy and girl. Well, if you got those papers that was passed out, this is some stuff that I, I, I'm privileged every now and then to go to different parts of America and even Ireland. I went one time to Ireland and did some of this about marriage seminars, men's groups, and just preaching. And it's fun carrying the Word of God to people that are hungry. Amen? And I know this church has always been hungry. Every time I've ever been here, you guys receive. And I love that when that happens because I know that you need it and I know you're going to take it and you're going to use it. Amen? For the kingdom of God. And that's why I gave you some of my notes right here. This is about 40 years. In fact, my wife and I just celebrated our 53rd anniversary. And uh, 52nd, 52nd. And uh, Brother Philip, it, it, time flies, you know. But Brother Philip did our, our, our marriage vows for us at 50 years old. And I'm so honored that he did that. And it was a special thing. And now, you know, I always wanted to be a part of this church and I can't do it. But I can now because my son comes here. He married one of, one of your girls here. And, and you know, and, and two weeks ago, I had grandkids. And I carry them around on my phone. People say, you, they, say they used to ask me, well, how many grandkids do you have? I have 12. And I said, I got one. And then two weeks ago, I said, I got three. And I, I, we skipped the diaper mode. We skipped everything. No, no section, no nothing, no hospital visit. Just voila, here they are. And we got them, and I'm proud of both of them. So, okay, now, if you got the, uh, the papers, I want to go through some of this stuff. And I think everybody got a pen and a paper. And I want you to jot down some of this stuff. I'm going to try to go quickly because i got a, a long way to go and a short time to get there. But I want you to put a thing on the side. And, oh, by the way, while I'm doing this, this is not only for couples. This is for anybody that has a relationship anywhere. If you have a job, you have a relationship there with your boss. If you live in an apartment or a house, you have a relationship with your neighbor. 
If you live on the face of this earth, you have a relationship with somebody within your area all all the time. And you can take this, and this will help you become a better relationship person if you can understand them, if you can understand yourself. I see more people in the days that we're living in right now that don't know what they're here for. They don't know what their purpose is for. They don't know where they're going. They don't even know how to get there. And they don't, they've never found fulfillment and joy because sometimes they never knew who they were or where they came from. And I'm going to get down to the roots of it tonight. And you look at yourself. And when something really, the Holy Ghost gives you that unction inside of you, you write that down because you're going to probably forget it. But if you write it down, you're going to go back to it and you're going to say, oh, yeah. That's what he was talking about. That's exactly it. Now it rings my bell and I know why I've been going through the problems that I've been going through. Do you know about 50% of the people that have at least four or five jobs in their lifetime? Maybe more. Some people, I, I talked to one guy, he's had almost 30 jobs in his lifetime. And you know why? Because he don't know how to handle stress. He don't know where he's come from. He don't know what other people do. But after I went through this with him and I did a personal counseling with him and he took this and he said, man, if if I'd have known this like 10 years ago, the first job I had was the greatest job I ever had. And I blew it because I didn't know who I was or where I was going. Amen. So I want to get some things. But this is some three stages of marriage. If you're here and you're married tonight or you have a relationship, I want you to think about this. Even... How many of you have a relationship with the Lord? How many of you sometimes you have a problem with that relationship? Not on his behalf, on your behalf. Because you don't, you don't want to follow. When he tells you to do something, you want to back up and say, you know, Lord, you need to get someone else to go do that. That's not my calling. That's not my position. Well, you just missed out on a, a good calling. Because when God knocks on your heart's door, honey, I want you to jump right in there and say, you know what? If God took the time to knock on my heart, I need to be the one to move it. This is not for somebody else. This is for me. I'm going to start it. Somebody else may pick it up later, but I'm going to get the ball rolling. Amen? Okay, the first thing was enchantment. This is it. This is the way two lovers fall in love when they find one another. They want to do the things that's so important. And they, they got that wooing. To, to be drawn to one another. But the first thing, and this is a cloud. If you want to just draw a round cloud on your paper somewhere, and write on there, enchantment. And this is, this is the way it starts. It's on cloud nine. It's perfect. I've had young couples I've counseled with before, and they say, oh, he's perfect, or she's perfect. Oh, my God, they, nobody could be that good and that sweet and that just, oh, they, I could just love them and eat them up. I could just do that. I'm just great. The next thing is they're just right. They're forever mine. Every forever. I'm infatuated with that person. I idolize that person. I just get numb when I see them. My knees just go to wilting, and I just get numb all over when I see that happen. I'm fascinated with them. I'm charmed with them. I'm captivated. It's ecstasy being with them. I'm thrilled, and I'm preoccupied. All of my time goes to that person. Everything I'm preoccupied in, all of those things. And by the way, we have arrived. We're, we're there. That's all life is all about. That's the first step. 
Now listen to this. And I have found out that most couples that have been married about every five years, hopefully you're not there, but about every five years something really serious pops up. And then they begin to unlock those bags, those suitcases. They get worn out from under the, under the bed, and they drag it out, and they put it on the, on the bed, and they open it. And the real person comes out because they've been hiding a lot of this stuff for five years. And I have found it every five, every 15, every or five, every 10, every 15, every 20, every 25 years, some of these things pop up. You know what the biggest divorce rate is today, the age group? The people that have been married 25 years. You know why? Because they fell in love. They started having kids and going to school and doing stuff, taking care of themselves because they're selfish and some of the things they're doing good. But somewhere along the way, she was running them to the cheerleader thing. He was running them to the ball games, and they fell out of love. They don't even know who one another is. And then the kids grow up and move out of the house, and they look at one another and say, Who are you? Where have you been? What are you doing here? I don't even know who you are. And they end up getting in a fight, and some of them get a divorce. But listen to this. This is usually after the fifth year. This is two people. If you want to draw two stick people upside down and write disenchanted around the bottom of them, And this is what happens after that. You heard what we did a while ago on the cloud. What happened there? The the enchantment. Well, this is the disenchantment. This is that place where now they're upset. That person is terrible. I can't stand them. They're absolutely wrong in everything that they do, and I quit. And they hurt me every time they open their mouth. They say something to hurt me. They put me down. We now have a splintered relationship. I'm irritated with this person. Wretched is that woman or wretched is that man. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? You don't have to say amen. Just I'm burdened. I'm uncomfortable with this person. And besides that, I'm bitter and I feel trapped and will never make it. This is the same two people we just talked about a while ago. Are y'all still with me? It's getting quiet up in here. Now, the next thing is, I want you to write two people standing beside one another and a, a, a line under them at an angle like that going up. They're moving up. Two people standing on that line, and it's going that way because I want you to remember this. This one is called maturity. Maturity in your life. Now, listen to them now. After they've gone through this, this first step of being enchanted, Oh, we've arrived. We got everything. Everything is cool with us. I mean, I love them. I could, ju- I could just eat them up. And then we just saw disenchantment. Now I want you to listen to maturity. Now they have feet on the ground. I need you. How do you see it? It's no longer how do I see it, but how do you see what you see? Let's work it out. I'll help you. Encourage. Now we're whole. We're refreshed. Now we're thankful for what God's doing in our lives. And we're also free. You see, when you live at peace with someone, there's a freedom that's there. You're not bound by those things that's around. You're free. It's like, wow, I feel good here because it's mature. I feel free because I have someone that loves me and I love them and we can work it out. We can do whatever we got to do to make this thing happen. See, when my wife and I got married, we were very young. 
And it was hard for us the first 10 years. In fact, it was hard for us until I accepted Jesus Christ. She was a believer. I was totally unyoked to her. And all I did was drag her down the whole time that we were married until one day. And y'all probably know my testimony. If you don't, I'll give it to you one day. But Jesus came into my life. He saved me. He healed me from a gunshot wound. He healed me. I was blind for nine months. And when he came into my life, immediately everything in my life changed in one swoop. I couldn't even understand what was going on myself. It's like, what happened? What happened to our lives? But it was all for the good. And then we started growing. That's why I wanted you to put that arrow on there with that up under those two people that's standing there because now you come into a place of maturity. Hopefully you guys are going to see some maturity in here. Another thing is we're free, we're comfortable, we're friendly again. We can be friends together. Not only are we married and have a, have a, a covenant with one another and have a license that says that we're married, but also we, we're friendly to one another. You, you can marry your best friend and you can have a great relationship. And another thing is we're growing. We're growing together. Now, if I had to put my marriage on uh, from pages from 1 to, say, 50, you know, you'd say, well, where are you after 52 years? I'm probably on page 3. But I'm working at it. Amen? I mean, is anybody else, can anybody else identify with me here? You know, we don't get to that place where you arrive. Because I tell you what, every day has got its own new trials and something new is going to pop up. So that tells me i got to grow through those things. i gotta, I got to conquer that thing and say, I am who I am in Christ Jesus. And He's going to bless me. He's going to use me. He's going to use my wife. And we're going to be something for the things of God. Amen? He's got a purpose for it. And if He does, we need to fulfill every part of that. And part of that is growing together. And then the last one is, together we can make it. You know, the first one was we've arrived. The second one was we'll never make it. The third one is together we can make it. Now, I want to, I'm not an artist. Y'all don't, don't nobody throw tomatoes. If my, my ball head is too reflective, just let me know and I'll, I'll do something with it here. I want to show you, I don't know if y'all can see this. Oh, brother, I, I asked Nancy, she asked me what I needed up here, and I said, I need a whiteboard with some, with some uh, markers today. And I came over and brought these notes, and she said, uh, we don't have a whiteboard with markers. And I said, well, it's fine, just get something I can do on, you know. So I came in a while ago, and she said, Brother Philip likes to buy new things, and he went and got you a whiteboard. You know, I wish, brother, I'd ask for an iPad. <laughs> Thank you, brother. All right, now I want you to look at this. This is basically. Can y'all see? Can y'all hear me without a microphone? Yeah. You need it. You need. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna use it. Uh, This is basically three types of families right here. We got an A family. We got a B family. We got a C family. Now, I want you to know in the A family right here, this is considered to be, is what we can pretty well tell the best as a functional family, a good family, a family that's doing what's right, a family that's growing in the things of God. And this is some of the things that I want want you to, if you can, jot these down. It's a spiritually in order, this family. They're doing the best they can as human beings on the face of this earth to do what God really wants them to do. They have the Father... 
in here. Scripturally is the head of the house. The wife is not second in command. She is a joint heir with Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? You know, we read Ephesians. I do a lot of weddings and sometimes and I call the guys up and I say, you know, the Bible says that, that your wife is supposed to be submissive to you. Yeah. Yep. Bless God. I said, but you supposed to be submissive to the Lord. That puts the pressure on you, partner, not on your wife. It puts it on you. You're the leader, and you're going to be the one that's held accountable. Your wife is following you. And by the way, I have found that any time a man will take his responsibility, a woman will relinquish her authority and give it to that man because she wants to do that. She was designed. There's something inside of a woman that says, I will do that if I have a man that surrendered to the Lord and doing what God wants them to do. Amen? Okay, I feel a preach coming on. i got to get on here. The father is submitted to the Lord. He's doing everything he can. He gets up, he prays, he reads his Bible, he ties to the church. He teach, Not only does he do this, he teaches this to his kids in every way that he can. He pulls them aside. He has a relationship with his children. He's doing things with them, not only to appease them in the things of the to raise them in a world that we live in, a wicked world, but to raise them in the world of God. Amen? Two different places. I wish somebody would have told me this when my kids were really small because I totally failed in a lot of it. But I thank God I'm past that part. Okay, both of them are teaching and raising the children in the ways of the Lord. Both of them. It takes two people to raise a, a family. Kids need a mom and dad that's healthy, that will spiritually teach them and set them down and say, I know you've had a bad day. I know you're going through problems. I know some people may not like you. You may not like some people. But let's look at the Bible and see what it says about all of these things and begin to teach those children in every way that we can. Another thing is the Jewish kids, they're taught from very small how to serve God. And the things that they go through, and I don't have time to go through that, but it's a wonderful way. If we would take our kids out, lay hands on them and pray for them every day and say, God, bless my child. Use them. I didn't do that till later on. And my kids was grown by the time I figured this out. But I, I started laying my hands on them and praying for them. God, you protect them. You put them where you want them to go. You give them what you want them to you give them. And God, I want your purpose to be done in their lives. And I want them to know that. I just want them to know that I love them and I'm, I'm behind them 100%. And I don't care where they go or what they do. God, I'm going to be there to pick up the pieces because you was there for me when I fell and crashed and burned. Amen? So we got to both of us do that. Children following leadership of the family and the Lord. If you do what God wants you to do, I promise you, your kids are going to get excited. And they're going to say, I want some of that. They're going somewhere. Things are happening in their life. I see the favor of God on their lives. When I need something, it's there. And when my kids need something, I'm going to make sure it's passed on to them right down the way all the time. Another thing is there's respect in a family. I'm seeing more families today that has no respect for one another. None. But these family, this family has respect because they're doing it God's way. And when you're under the, 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 the word of the Lord, there's going to be respect. People are going to respect that. They may not believe that, but they'll respect it. Amen? Amen? Another thing that's in this family, there's peace and love in this A family. 
There's peace. You know, do they have problems? The, The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But when this family goes through it, you know what they're doing? They're on their knees and they're praying and say, God, help us. We've got a problem right now. We need your help. We need you to pull us through here. We're a witness to this world, and we love one another, and we want your peace. But most of all, we want your favor on us, and we're trusting in you. I don't care what comes our way. We trust in you. Amen? And you get that. And another thing, there's love. You can go in a house. I can go in a house for five minutes and tell you if there's love in that house or if there's peace in that house. You can sense it. There's like a spirit that's there. You go in some homes and it's like, man, what is in here? And you know it's something evil in there because there's something evil there. But when you got God in your life and you're doing what God wants you to do, people are going to sense, man, this is a restful place. I don't know what it is about your house, but I just feel so at home here. And I say, well, good. Just sit there and kick your feet back up on the table. I'll go get you something. Enjoy it. Just soak it up while you're here. I've worked hard to get it here. I've prayed. I've believed and I've done what God wants me to do. And when you come in my house, I want you to have peace. Amen? That's part of being a family right here. Another thing is, it's a concern for other people. It's no longer selfish in our lives. It's a concern for someone else. How is your day going? Are you okay? Do you need anything? What can I do to help you today? Y'all getting this? Another thing is, it's it's good stewards. This family, they take care of their automobiles. They take care of their house because they know they entrusted with it. But more than all of that, they take care of their kids. Because our kids are not our kids. They're only loaned to us. We're the stewards of our children. And if God gave us them, we need to be a good steward of them. Say, God, when I I dedicated my kids years ago, when they were small, I brought them up to that altar, and I cried like a baby because I counted the cost before I brought them up there. I said, God, and I had heard stories before. If you give your kids to God, he'll be able to take one of them. And it's like, well, they might go anyway. But I know one thing, I'm going to dedicate them to the Lord. And I brought them, and I laid them up on that altar, and I prayed for them. I said, God, they're yours. I'm only here for a short time, and they may be here for a short time, but the time I'm here, I'm going to give, you, I'm going to give them everything that you give me. I'm going to just interject it into their lives. Amen? Another thing is they help others. They also know the importance of a marriage, a covenant right here. Okay, we've got to move on. Okay, now the next one is the B family right here. B. That's a dysfunctional family. I want to tell you who's in that dysfunctional family. There's a mother and a father and two kids, by the way, in all of these. A daddy, a mom, and and two kids in every one of these. I'll show you that in a minute. But right now in this family, right there, the mother is in control. She has taken the leadership. The father is nothing but a couch potato. He probably works. He's probably got a job. But all he does is sit back on the recliner with his remote just and she says John would you get up and do this uh huh he never talks to her the kids come running through the house like a bunch of crazy people and he's watching them he said I wish y'all quieting down I'm trying to listen to the news never talks to them like a human being they come in they're failing he's screaming and hollering at them for doing this and doing that but he never gets up and has a relationship and never loves them he's basically a dud in a house 
Somebody please say amen. By the way, that's what most of America is right now. I want you to know that. I'm not being negative. That's just the way they come out right now. The other thing is the mother, she does all the shopping. She does paying all the bills. She raises the kid by herself or kids. And when the mom speaks, everybody better listen because mom just opened her mouth. Somebody is going to get a cracking if they don't do something about it. That's the way it goes right now. She usually takes on the spiritual leadership in the home. I'll never forget when I first got saved. The first church I went to, I think there was three men that were there that were active. The rest of them were all women. And it's like, this is a strange place here. Where's all the guys at? Then I realized you were just like them. When you was lost, you wasn't here either. And it's like, we need men in the kingdom of God. If the man is supposed to be the leaders, where are they? They have dropped the ball. The women are the ones that's having to do it. The women did all the praying. The women did all the teaching in there. The women did it, taking up the offering. They did everything. And it's like, there's something wrong with this picture. Here I am, a, a weak old Christian, and it's like, this thing is totally out of order because I had already started reading my Bible and finding out my responsibility as a person, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I realized I had failed on every area. And by the way, just to let y'all set at ease, you see this one right here? That's the kind of dysfunctional family I came out of. I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. But that's what I was, was a C right there. But nevertheless, it's like the women are the ones doing everything because the men are not coming to the forefront and doing what God wants us to do. So then another thing, she usually, uh, she, there's very little peace in this home right here. Because there's always confusion, there's always dissension going on, because she knows what to do. She may not even be a Christian, but she's doing the best she can to keep that thing rolling and keep it in order the best she can. And he is doing absolutely nothing about it other than just encouraging her. Why don't you take the kids and go on to church? I got my ball games coming home, and, and I, I just don't have time to be doing that today. And you take the kids on a little picnic. Y'all go do something, because I really don't have time to be doing nothing today. Thank you. And that's all he does. Now, the next thing is there's always arguing over money and decisions. Because here she is trying to do everything that she can. He has no idea. My wife went one time to buy my kids some shoes, when I was 12 years old, I had pretty well left home. I was out on the road. I was basically homeless for a long time. And I'll never forget working at a, a service station, making enough money to buy my clothes. And I bought a pair of Levi jeans that cost $9. That was a lot of money back then. I also went and bought me a pair of U.S. kids tennis shoes, black ones with the U.S. right on the side of them. I was so proud of them. Paid uh, $8 and something for them. Well, in my mind, that's what clothes cost. Well, here it is 20 years later or 15 years later. We're married, and she goes and buys one of them some tennis shoes and pays $60 for them. And I said, you did what? She said, I paid $60 for those shoes. I said, well, you bring them back, or you bring them back, and you get about 10 more pair with it for that much money. We're not doing that. You see, you know why? Because I had lost touch with how much things cost. And what the style was and all the things that go with that because I was basically doing my own thing. I never was a couch potato. I was always energetic and doing something. But I still would fall in that same category right there. 
But nevertheless, we got in an argument over the money. And I would say, I need a check for so-and-so. I need, a, I need $100 to go pay something. She said, we don't have the money. I said, what do you mean you don't have the money? I made 10 times that last week. You should have a lot more money than that. What did you do with the money? Because you see, there's no, another thing that's in that family is no communication. And when you don't communicate with one another, three of the major things that will destroy a marriage is sex, money, and communication. The number one is communication. Because if you don't communicate with somebody, who's going to talk about money until it's all gone? Then you're going to talk about it. And who wants to have sex with somebody you can't talk to? Amen? I'd go a lot further, but we got, we got, uh, we got, we have grandkids in here tonight. <laughs> Take it really easy. She is in control right here. She is in control. If you don't believe that, you ask her. She'll tell you who runs the house because she's pretty well been shoved into that position. What a horrible place to be. Now, this t- number C right here is a totally dysfunctional family. That literally means everybody is in control, but nobody is in control. Everybody in that family does what they want to do. The mom and the two kids do exactly what they want. The father does what he does. They're, they're totally out of control. They're all doing their own thing. That's a saying that we got back in the 60s. If you, you people that have been in the 60s, you know what I'm talking about. I'm doing my own thing. You know? Well, that was cool for a while until you've, you learned how to do things on your own. And then you pretty well lost everything you had because you didn't do it with God. Amen. Another thing is there's discord and anger in that family. Because they want what they want when they want it. And if they don't get it, then they're angry with their brother or their sister or their mother or their father. Because they get to do that and I don't get that part. They said that and they got away with it. I didn't get away with it. I got punished for that. And you're making me stay here when they're getting to go. Is this ringing any bells to anybody? You see, and it's like discord and anger. Y'all still love me? I'm going to come back one day. You might as well love me. I'm part of the family now. Okay, number four, nothing gets done. It's always blaming one another. And you can find that everywhere. You can find that from the book of Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve did what they did in that garden. The first thing they did when God came back and confronted them, if you will, he said, Adam, where you been? What have you done? Well, we've been over there in the weeds, cutting weeds and covering up with fig leaves. He said, why are you covering up? Because we're uncovered. He said, you eat the fruit, didn't you? He said, yeah. He said, I'm telling you why I eat that fruit. That woman, you know, I was doing good around here one time just naming hippopotamuses and giraffes and doing what you had me do. And you sent that woman over here because you thought I needed somebody. She's the one that did that. She's the one that did it. So God goes to the woman and he says, what did you do? Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. That snake that came in here, he did that. But you see, the whole point is sin is sin. Everybody's wrong in that thing. Everybody is wrong in that family until they come back to the relationship with God and they start living a godly life. Amen? 
We've got to come to that place and have redemption in our lives before we'll ever get out of that situation. But the, one of the things, you catch somebody in their sin, the first thing they're going to do is blame somebody else. They'll never point the finger at them. It's always, that person made me do it. If it wouldn't have been for that, I would have never done that. You see, we don't want to take responsibility as people anymore. We've got to come to that place and realize when I've sinned, I have sinned. I need to go get straight with God. Amen? Okay, now let's move on. Uh, another thing is self-centeredness, selfishness is always their way. It's always their way. Everything that they do is like, it's about me. It's all about me. Y'all need to stop and listen to me. Whatever I do, y'all need to conform to what I'm telling you because I know everything. That's another attitude that people get. Another one is they're not good stewards of one another nor God's things. You find people like that? They drive old ragtag, they tore up cars, their house is a mess. Everything that they got is broke, tore down because they don't take care of it. They don't respect it at all. It's just like, it's here, I'll take it. I, 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 when I was coming up as a kid, I had to work for everything I did. The first car I ever had in my life, I bought it out of a junkyard. I swapped a 16-gauge shotgun for that car, and that car didn't have windows. It didn't have a motor. It didn't have nothing in it. And I built that car, and that was my first car that I ever drove. And I loved that thing. I mean, it was precious to me because it was mine. It was paid for, and it got me where I needed to go, and it was mine. And I had a first cousin, and his mom and dad gave him a brand-new 59 Chevrolet Impala, red, beautiful car, and he dogged that thing out to where it was nothing. But I'm still driving my little 50 Plymouth because I was a good steward and wasn't even a Christian. I just knew what hard work. You work hard, you get something, you take care of it. Amen? That's just a car. And how much more should we do that with our own lives? God gave us a life. I know when I first got saved and I knew that I was saved, it was like, wow, man. And I'm not, I'm not bragging about this, but it's like God has made a precious thing. He's made a human being. I mean, I was laying in a hospital when I was blind and strapped to a bed. And I'm looking at my hand and it's like I would move my fingers and it's like, man. This is the most creative thing I've ever seen, having a mechanical-type mind. And it's like you can move your fingers. You can feel. You can feel the air blowing on it. You can feel heat. You can just barely touch it, and it goes immediately to your brain. And for the first time in my life, I really realized God has made something very precious. And why don't we take care of it? Why don't we eat the right food? Why don't we exercise? Why don't we submit our bodies to the Lord as a gift to Him every day and say, God, you made me, you used me, and I'm going to be a good steward of what's here. Amen? Okay, another thing is there's no respect in that family. Nobody, res- they don't respect one another. They don't even respect themselves. And those people right there are the, probably the ones that's going to have the most trouble with the police department, with the tax people, with getting a job because they don't want to be under anybody's authority. And this little rascal, both of these right here that get out of that family and go get a job, they will not respect their boss and they will not be there very long. I know. I hire people all the time. And when I, they come in, the first thing I get do... I give them a, a, a legal pad and a pen. <clears throat> and I'll say, once you go down in that, walk down this hall by my office, I want you to go down there and look at, sit in that room 
And I want you to look around, and anything you see in there that needs fixing, you write that down. Okay? You got that? What's that all about? I said, just do what I'm asking you to do. So they'll, I'll go walk them to my door, and they'll take off down the hall. You get somebody that does this, and they'll get a pen, and they'll write it down, and they'll come back. The odds are I'm going to hire that person. You give that same pad to another one with a pen. Come on, yeah. I say, buddy, you can have that pad and that pen and that door right down there. Just keep going out of it. Thank you much for coming by. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You say, are you mean? No, I'm not mean, but I'm going to be a steward of God's things. And if they're going to work at that church and I'm going to be their boss, if they can't be a good steward, I don't need them. If they don't have respect for that and they don't have respect for themselves, they don't belong there. Amen? They belong in one of my hard classes that I teach people to help get them past that point. Another thing is they have no purpose. This family has no purpose in nothing that they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They don't even know where they come from. And that's a bad place to be. Another thing, they don't have any goals in their lives. And one of the worst things is they're totally unthankful. You can do something for this person or these people, and most of the time they won't even stop long enough to say, Hey, man, thanks. Thank you for doing that. That was really neat that you did that. You really don't know how bad I needed that, and you gave it to me, and I just want to tell you thank you. And it's not that we need thank yous all the time. People need to understand that all good things come from God. And if they can't thank you for giving them something, how are they going to ever thank God? Because the relationship you have with these people is going to end up having the same relationship these people with the Father in heaven. Amen? Now, I know we don't have a whole lot of time. And, brother, you, did you want to open it for... Um, I'm cool. Okay. Now, I wanted to tell you this. Let's, let's go back. And I want you to make your own scenarios about some of this. And now what we have, this is a, this is a boy. This is a girl. I don't know if y'all can see that, but uh, that's what it is. This family has a boy and a girl. This one has a boy and a girl. That one has a boy and a girl. Okay? Now, what happens is when they all grow up, these little rascals grow up, and they come home and say, Mom, Dad, I found somebody. I really love them, and I really want to marry them. And to the best of their ability, they think they do. A lot of times it's lust. A lot of times it's infatuation. But most of the time it's not real love I know what I'm talking about I married Janice because I lusted her I didn't love her I lusted her and there's a difference there and you say are you a pervert or something no I'm just a man and sometimes we look on the outward things more than we do on the inside of people somebody say amen please now what happens is we're going to take this these families right here all right we're going to take this young boy right here and he went over here, and he found this young girl, and now they're going to get married. And they're going to do really good for five years. And then somewhere along the way, they're going to both take their baggage out 
of who they really were, how they were trained up, how they were brought up by their parents. And they're going to open that bag on the bedroom uh, bed and they're going to look at one another and say, all the things that I just showed you, that earlier painting that was there. How do you think they're going to do when this young boy right here tries to ask her to do something? She's already learned her mother is in charge. He's already learned that his father is the head of the house. This young girl has never had a man leadership in her life because she has been basically imaged exactly like her mother. So she's going to be exactly like her mother just about in everything that she does, and he's going to be exactly like his daddy. Do you think there's going to be peace and harmony in that family very long? No, there's going to be some problems. That's why they come to my office, brother. And I sit down and I show them. One of the things I did, I went to a state park one time and they had a bird show there. I think I might have shared this with you. I'm going to do it quickly. But it was, they were uh, showing these eagles. It was out on a big lake and this guy walks out and they had bleachers on both sides. The eagles were in boxes way back in the back. And this guy walks up to the front, and he's got a little tea stand with a little bag with some meat in it like that. And he said, there's going to be some eagles flying. Don't get up. Don't walk around because they may fly into you. And he would blow a whistle, and one of them would fly out of the tree and come land on that pedestal, and he'd give it a piece of meat. And while it was there, he would explain all about that eagle. And then he would give it a signal, and it would fly off, go back around, go back in the house. And he said, now, they got one that's fixing to come out. I want you to take real co- close notice of this bird, this eagle that's coming out. He said, because he's going to be different than most of them you said, that you've seen. He said, he's a golden eagle. He's got about a six-foot, eight-foot span of, on his wing. He said, whatever you do, do not stand up. Don't put your hands out. Don't flail nothing. He said, because he might bite you. He said, just leave him along and let him come in. So he blows a whistle, and everybody's standing there out of anticipation to see what's going on. And this eagle comes out from the woods back there, and he's coming flying towards this tee, and he goes, quack, 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 quack. And everybody's like, it's a duck. But it wasn't a duck. It was a golden eagle. And that golden eagle flew down and lit on that thing, and the guy took a piece of meat and put it up there, and he just snipped it in half like that with his big, long beak like that. And he said, you know why that, that eagle sounds like a duck? He said, because that eagle's mom and dad were killed. And he said, we put that eagle, when we found him, it, the only put thing that we had to put it in was a pen with a bunch of ducks. And those ducks taught that eagle what to do. He said, that's called imprinting. Because you're imprinted with something that's teaching you something. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? And these people have been imprinted, if you will, by the father, this young boy. This young girl has been imprinted by their parents because that's where we get our imprinting. And I want you to know, every one of us has imprinting inside of us from where we came from, whether we like it or not, whether it was good or whether it was bad, we got it. But it doesn't mean that we have to keep it. It means that we can be changed. Aren't you glad that things can be changed with God? That was the first thing when I became a Christian. It's like, I need some changes in my life. God, you got, you, your angels has been on full-time express with me growing up, just keeping me alive. 
And if you love me that much to have a guardian angel around me to hold me this long, God, I need to make this thing in, and I want to make it in right. I don't want to just flounder around and just go out of this world and not be known by anything. God, I want a purpose. You got a plan for me. If you got a plan for me, I need you to help me. And I mean, we need to start right now. Now, I'm not being discourteous to the Lord, but that's just the way I thought. And it's like, I need it. I need that help. I don't want to go another day on my own. I need you to help me to get through this thing. And when I got serious with God, God got serious with me. And immediately I started growing in leaps and bounds in everything that I did. My wife had gone to church all of her life. She knew all the Beatitudes. She knew everything that was to know about Christianity. I didn't know nothing. I was raised in a bar room and under a bridge in the trunk of my car. I didn't have a clue what God was or anything else. But I'm going to tell you what. I would dig in that Bible and I would pray every day. And that God began to give me stuff. And she had a problem with it. Because we'd go somewhere and I'd give them the answer. And she'd say, I'm supposed to do that. I said, no, you're not. You're a joint error of me right now. Just be quiet. I'm trying to take my position. Help me. And, it, and it, we had a little scuffle going there for a little while until she finally realized I need to let the boy go. God is doing something in him. Amen? Uh, you, you women ought to say amen with me. Because your, your man's going to be different after tonight. They're going to start taking their role in the things that God's got for them. Now, you're going to have to support them. Now, if he's, if he's lording over you, you call me. I'm going to come help you. We're going to put a whipping on that big boy. Amen? I, I'm joking with you. I do believe we need a Christian militia sometimes to get on the people. <laughs> Mark, cut. <laughs> take that off the tape. <laughs> okay. So we got that right there. Y'all got that part? You got your own synopsis about that? Okay, now what we're going to do now, we're going to take this girl out of this family and let her go over here and marry that young man. That young man has no respect for nobody. It's all about him. And this young girl has had a father hovering over her and teaching her and loving her in a good way, healthy relationships. Everything was flowing just right while she was in his family. And now all at once she's thrown into this mix over here that this guy don't know beans. It's all about him. So that means that she's not going to get any more attention. She's not going to get the affection that she needs. She's not going to have any responsibility because... When he snaps his finger, honey, it's my way or the highway. Y'all ever heard that before? And that is a horrible way to live. Do you see any freedom at all in that marriage? No, because that's what a lot of marriages end up. That's why we got people that are so bound. They're married. They got certificates. They got great wedding pictures. They got great everything. But they're so bound that they can't even survive from day to day because they don't know where to go or what to do. Their, pers- their purpose, their vision has been so clouded to where they don't even care anymore. And then that's just marrying things that's there. Now you come back, and I'm going to have to stop right now, brother. But you come back, and you start throwing the mix. God forbid another person out of there comes and begins to mess up the relationship then the trust level for that relationship is totally wiped out. Then there's nothing to to build back on, hardly, unless God comes and intervenes in the situation. Amen? Another thing, if drugs come along, 
and it's thrown in to the mix. And I'm drawing it here, but wherever it goes. If drugs or alcoholism comes into that, it takes a part of that. That begins to deteriorate those families one step after another. And then just things, you just, just pressures of life. I've seen people do fine until the first child came along. And it was so much stress on them, especially the mom. She didn't know what to do. She might not have had her mom and dad around. She might have came out of that family. And when she told her daddy and her mom, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. They said, well, deal with it. Get your friends to help you. We don't want you around here. we got our own stuff going on. Well, that girl is devastated, even though she's a part of devastation. She's really devastated by now. Then you find one over here that could be the same way. And it works over and over and over. And you add what you see in those families, you know. Hopefully every one of you right now has looked and saw already where you're from. Unfortunately, I was in that family right over there. That's the way I was raised until I became a Christian. And it's like there's got to be a better way. And I began to pray, and God began to show me just these circles right here. And through counseling for 25 years at our church, I started writing things down in numbers and places and things and seeing what goes. What's your history? What's your history? What's your history? And write it down, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that's it right there. That's exactly what people go through in their lives. This ain't nothing but a bunch of circles to you, but that represents somebody. That represents a person, and it might be you. And if it's you, I want you to know there's hope. There's the grace of God, and God's power wants to pull you out of that. And he wants every one of these right here because my Bible says, For God so loved the world, B and C and A, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should have everlasting life. And they should become this family right there. And I want you to know you can be a part of this family if you don't even have a spouse, if you don't even have a mom and dad. My mom and dad's gone. I got a brother that's gone. There's really nobody left but me and my kids and my, 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 uh, whoever else is in my life, Christians. But nevertheless, I'm going to stay right there where I got anybody because I can be what God's called me to be, and that is an A person. Amen? If you need prayer, I want you to just lift your hand right now. And uh, we're going to pray for you right now that God will heal any hurts, anything that's tormented you through the years. I want you, don't, don't be ashamed. I mean, we're all, we, all got, we all come out of a dysfunctional family, every one of us, basically. And I want you to know God will heal that. He will take care of every hurt, everything that was spoken bad to you or everything that was spoken good to you. God will take that and he will impress you because he wants to imprint our hearts with himself. And if we'll do that, we'll start talking like God. We'll start walking like God. We'll start hearing like God. We'll be like God. Amen? He is our perfect example. Jesus says, I do nothing unless I see my Father do it first. And I'm going to tell you what, church, another good thing about this is when we start walking in the natural, we're going to start walking in the supernatural. And I'm looking for a supernatural move of God in the days that we're coming into that we're going to see God move. But we're going to have to get our acts together first before God's going to do it. Amen? And I want you to know that tonight, that whatever you're going through, God is touching you. He's healing you. I want all of you to let's pray. 
Father in heaven, we come right now, Lord God, and I thank you for every person that's here, that's hearing my voice tonight, Lord God. And Father, I pray you take this diagram that you gave me years ago, Lord, and you'd use it, Lord God, to let us see where we came from. Lord, let us see our roots, Lord God. But also we look to it, Lord, and say, God, show me our future out of it too. Lord, that you show me where we're going, what's going to happen in our lives, Lord God, because we want to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, we come tonight, Lord. I pray for every person in here that lifted their hands tonight. Lord, that you'd take any bitterness, any anger, any any vile thoughts that might come across their mind, any hurt that might have been done to them through their family members, Lord God. And Lord, we look to you to do the healing in their lives. Body, soul, and spirit, Lord God, that you would encourage them, Lord God. Let the gift of the, the Holy Spirit, Lord God, begin to stir and move in their lives tonight, Lord God. That when they go home, that they'll lay their head down on that pillow, Lord God, and know that there's peace and there's love because they've opened up their lives to you. And you're healing them, Lord God. You're bringing them to a new level in their life. And Lord, this series that Pastor, Pastor Phillip's doing, Lord God, I pray that this would kick it off, Lord God. That it would stir the hearts of the people, Lord God, to receive from you, Lord God, to take those things that you have in the future, Lord God, and begin to build into their lives, Lord. Lord, that we would truly stand one day and be the bride of Christ, Lord God, without spot or wrinkle, Lord God, but we would be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, it humbles me, Lord God, to come here and to speak before these people tonight, Lord God, and I just ask, Lord God, right now that you would touch and minister to each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, we give you the glory. We give you the honor, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for taking your time to come and listen tonight. And I wish you'd take this and really take it and ingrain it in your heart. Get to know it. And, and let God, this right here can be a stepping stone for many of you to say, wow. There's great things that are coming, and I'm going to be a part of it. Amen? Thank you, brother. Good stuff. You see, a lot of people can look at this, and they can say, oh, that's the reason why I'm like I am. I am. You need to look at this and say, this is the reason why I need to change. Come on, that's the reason why I need to change. Because if I don't change, then what's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to the next generation's? And what's going to happen, we've got to get it right, because if we don't, the next generations are going to suffer a lot more than what we are. That's why we're talking about family matters. Come on, it matters what we do. Come on, it matters what we do. We're just really... We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.